Hey y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden. This is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode, number 358, I'm bringing back on the show one of our mentors, Lisa Bevere. I'm just saying, if you can come to this place of humility and confession and surrender, and they see that you submit to God's word and you submit to redeeming those mistakes and, and being honest and owning things. And, you know, and again, for me, I, and it sounds trite, but the way that Holy Spirit told me is as long as you own your mistakes, they won't own you. It's a three-peat. It's Lisa's third time on the podcast. And apparently we chat every two years. The links to those episodes, previous episodes, are in the show notes. Today, Lisa is acting as our godmother. She's mentoring us through answering your questions. I reached out to people. They sent me their questions, and I asked Lisa a variety of things, including anger management, sibling rivalry. But Lisa does this amazing thing. She is centered in truth full of grace, and I love her boldness and confidence. She's raised four boys to become men, and so I will take every little bit of perspective and wisdom she has to offer me. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Lisa, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. (laughs) I'm so thrilled to be back. Well, you are our Sicilian godmother. (laughs) I'm doing my hands. Yes. Yes. It's got to have some motion with it. Not too much. Don't overextend. Just, yeah, a little bit. Do you know, since the last time I was on with you, I actually got my Italian citizenship. So I have dual citizenship now. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. Yes. I'm like officially like, (laughs) this is, I'm not a fake uh, (laughs) mother. I am a official. I got the passport. That's amazing. There you go. That's amazing. And you have four boys that are grown. And so you are a mentor to me as you are steps ahead and you've. You're going to make it. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> and you have grandchildren and they're married off or all of them are married off. No, one guy. One is so not cute. married. He's, not he's available, married. ladies. He's, he's kind of not. He's, he's kind of in love. So I'm happy about that. Okay. Never mind. He did tell me, it's like, mom, I'm going to hold off. Uh, I won't announce anything until I'm engaged. I don't want your uh, popularity to plummet. He's convinced <laughs> that the only reason I have any invitations is because I have a single son. So I, I am expecting my sixth grandchild in August. So I'm super excited about that. Congratulations. Okay. Thank well, you. I reached out to my listeners because I like to do a variety of shows. And one of the types of shows I like to do is a mentoring show. And so you are our mentor today. So welcome. Oh, I love that. It's my favorite. And so it's a variety of questions, but let's start with what does it look like to keep your children from becoming an idol? Yes. Well, I had the Holy Spirit challenged me, Heather, when I was pregnant with my third son. I remember he said to me, don't get your joy from your children. Don't get your joy from your husband. He said, you never want to deposit your source of joy to anything that could be taken away from you. Mm. And again, he wasn't saying you're going to lose your kids. He was saying to me, 
You don't want to have everything tied to things that can waver. And uh, so for me, I was like, all right. We also watched, and, and again, you know, life is this opportunity to learn from other people's mistakes. And so when I actually cite other people's mistakes, I'm not criticizing them. I'm actually thankful that I had a, I had a window into certain things. And I watched too many ministry children be made idle, where the parents live for the comfort of the kids. I also remember a long, long time ago, thank God, I was reading an article on American Airlines. I was flying at that time from Orlando to Dallas to do a television show. I'm pretty sure I was still breastfeeding. And I remember reading this article that said, it's a huge mistake to make your children the center of your world. And, and, and he talked about how what our culture was doing. It was like, we don't eat family dinners. We don't do anything. It's, it's all about sports and it's this. And he said, people who have been made to think they're the center of the universe are not nice people. And I thought, yeah, I don't want to raise not nice people. So we told our kids, you are in our family and we're so thrilled about that, but we will have family first. And so we told them we're going to do dinner every single night as a family. And work is what you're called to do. Play is a privilege. And maybe that's because my father was a refugee. I don't, like, I don't know whether we have a different dynamic. But yeah, we were very clear with our kids that we loved them. But we also understood that our job was to train them up to be people who had contribution to the world, not to actually be our source of everything. So good. When you were making that transition, when the Holy Spirit said, don't find your joy in your kids, mm -hmm. did you find your something shifted in how you engaged with them beyond that choice of we're going to be about family? Was there something personal in your heart that you felt shift? Yeah, I think my parenting style changed. Hmm. I, I think that I was living to, well, I was living in my own strength. Like, I don't know what kind of family you came back from, but I came from uh, you know, my mom did as good as she knew how to do, uh, but I came from an emotionally and a physically abusive household. And so I had unhealthy things modeled. And when you've had unhealthy things uh, modeled in that way, you can go to the other extreme. And so when you go to the other extreme, that's just as unhealthy. It just looks different. Um, and so I had to actually come to the realization that I was trying to parent my children in my own strength. Mm -hmm. And I was doing things like, oh, you know, I was, well, I'm random. So because I was doing it in my own strength, I was inconsistent. Mm -hmm. I, I can remember the day that John kept called from a ministry trip and the kids were just going wild. They were just being kids. And I, you know, I put the phone against my chest and I yelled at the kids and I said, if you guys don't stop yelling, it's beat like quiet. I'm spanking all of you when I get off the phone. And then I was like, hey, honey. And John said, did you tell my children you're going to spank all of them? And I said, uh, yeah, I, I, I did say that. He said, are you really going to do that? I said, no, no, I'm probably not going to do that. He said, so then you're lying to our children. And I wanted to say, you know what? You're not here. You don't, you don't get to make the rules if you're yeah. not here. But I realized that I was inconsistent. And so I sat down with my boys and I said, you know how mom's been yelling? They're like, do you know how mom's been like nursing one baby and waving a thank spoon at you and, and like pinching or, and they're like, yes, we know all that. I'm not doing any of that anymore. And they're like, yay. I said, I'm going to say it one time. At one time, you can, you can ask me for as much clarity as you want, but 
obedience is right away, all the way, and with a happy, in a happy attitude, in a happy way. So I modeled it. Like I said, if I come into the room and you're doing this and I say, okay, everybody pick it up. And you're like, I'm just going to watch one more silly song. Then I'll do it. And I said, if I come back and you haven't moved, I'm, I'm not going to know in your head, you're thinking one more silly song. So you need to ask me, can we do it after the next silly song? And I will say either yes or no. And whatever I say, yes or no, that goes. And so I really had this idea that because my children were my idol, I was going to train my kids rather than just worship them. And I think a lot of parents live through their children. Their children are an accessory to their lives instead of them understanding their children is an entrustment. The the goal not being happiness because it's impossible. <laughs> yeah. They're never well, happy. I mean, go to Disneyland, to Disney World. Yeah. Well, somebody sent me a, it was absolutely a horrific representation recently of a, a, a ministry child. And, and they asked me, what do you think of this? And, and I wrote him back and I said, I'm pretty sure their parents didn't read them Fox's Book of Martyrs. <laughs> like we read our kids bedtime. Fox's book of murder. Okay. I tried to keep a eternal perspective. Now my kids make fun of me for that. Weeping at the little match girl, reading Fox's book of martyrs. But I did try to do everything I could to have my children looking out at their world instead of thinking the world was just looking at them. If you and I got together over coffee, not only would we talk about kids' stories, swap all those things, I'm sure at some point we get to our current obsessions, and I would get to tell you that one of my current obsessions right now is my Rothy's sneakers. I took my oldest son to New York City, and I wore my Rothy's every day. They held up. They were so comfortable in all the walking, and I knew that when I got back to Dallas, I could throw them in the washing machine, the dryer and wash off whatever junk I stepped in in the subway, out the streets, with all the different places. They're super comfortable, washable, and durable because Rothy's also gives back to the planet when they make them. They've repurposed millions of water bottles. So they have this signature thread that goes into every single one. I also have their point, which is really adorable, perfect for the spring. Whenever spring decides to show up, I have it in an animal print, which is basically my neutral. <laughs> If you want to step up your shoes and accessories this spring and get ready to be asked, are those Rothy's? Plus, get $20 off your first purchase. Go to rothys.com slash DMA. That's rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash DMA. That's really, really good. And you kind of touched on one of the questions when you said, uh, this mom said she just had her fourth baby and she's short tempered with the other three. And it's, I, you and I both get this. It's God like, bless her. God bless her. <laughs> I feel like let's send her some food. I don't, I don't have an answer for you because it makes sense that you're short. Let's go clean her house. Let's go yeah. clean her house. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. The guilt over that. I don't want you to feel guilty anymore. That makes sense to me. That's a lot for one person and you're a limited human being, right? And this is something, and I love to always say this to moms, and sometimes I say it better than other times, but no mom wants to mess up. No mom wants to wound her, their children, traumatize their kids. Like none of us, none of us ever are like, hey, I think when I have kids, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to mess up. We never start that way. But inevitably, because we are flawed, 
we do stupid things. And one, one thing that our children have said about John and I is we always owned our mistakes. And they said, because we owned our mistakes, they trusted us. So they didn't expect us to be perfect, but they did expect us to do it well. And when you do something well, that means you go from a place of unhealthy to a place of increased health with every single interaction. And so when we, when we would have a, like a blow up or a flare up, I would have to step back and then say, what's going on here? And let the Holy Spirit speak to me. Let the scripture speak to me. And I would tell my boys, listen, when I mess up with you, God spanks me. Like, you're like, God spanks you. I'm like, yeah, kind of. Like, I read the word. He's like, hey, you know, do not provoke your children. Do not be harsh with them. Do not. I'm like, all of these scriptures that, you know, a father who has a father's heart is speaking to the parents. I don't know how you grew up, Heather, but I always heard things like, I'm sorry I hit you, but you make me so angry. Mm. So what I heard was, I am the problem. I make people angry. I am responsible for my mother's behavior. I'm responsible for my bad behavior. I get hit. So I had to change all of my things. And we would just say, you know, I'm so sorry. I spoke in that manner. There's no excuse for that. And then I might say something constructive, like I have allowed things to get out of control and you are getting the brunt of a buildup that I should have addressed a while back. And and again, you, when you have four babies, you need to stop trifolding the underwear. You need to, you just need to decide what is really important and yeah. what is not so important. And um, it's just a season. It's a little bit crazy, but slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to wrath. Children can actually do a whole lot more than you realize they can do. I had yeah. the best pediatrician in the world. His name was Dr. Ken Azaro. He was in Orlando. And he had three sons. And when he saw me come in sleep deprived after giving birth, I think to my second son, he said, well, tell me about what your day looks like. And he said, well, you know, I get up, I nurse the baby at 6 a.m. I've been up at 2 a.m. as well. And then I'm just frozen off sleep. And then Addison's yelling for me. And then he gets up and I, I just am exhausted. And he said, all right. He looked at, he looked at Addison. He said, Addison, from this point forward, you may get up in the morning to go to the bathroom but you have to stay on your bed till your mom calls to you. I'm like, I, I can do that. He's like, yes. And I'm like, wait, wait. he'll stay on his bed. He's like, absolutely. And especially having a doctor say it. I think Addison was like, if I don't do this, I'm getting a shot. So I'm going to completely do this. Uh, and then he just told me, he said, Lisa, train the first one. And all of the other ones will follow. He said that second baby is going to have his nose in that firstborn's back. Anything, he's going to follow him everywhere. He said, I know it's easier for you to pick up everything. I know it's easier for you to clean the kitchen, but right now they think it's fun. So if you just give them a, a sponge or a, you know, a, like we had one of those brooms, that, you know, those things that you roll on the floor, they really kind of pick it up and throw it, but it's still kind of as fun for kids. And so, so we, you know, we just got the kids going. And to this day, Heather, to this day, if I have a family dinner, I make a complete mess out of the kitchen. I don't know why. I just something I have to do. My yeah. children sweep in and clean the entire kitchen. Why? Because I've trained them. Their wives are like, thank you. Their wives are like, your sons do laundry better than I do laundry. Thank you. I'm like, you're welcome. You're yeah. welcome. I think that when you have multiple back-to-back-to-back, you do forget that they're capable of more because you've been in Way this more. baby stage 
And yeah, when you have this realization, oh, they can dress themselves. Oh, they can take their plates to the sink. They can rinse off things. They can help me fold. They can change their brother's diaper. They can change diapers. They can bring me, if you're really little, they could bring me a diaper. They could bring me, they don't mind it. And they, they'll fight over who gets to clean the windows. This is fantastic news. <laughs> this is an activity. <laughs> give, them, give them a nickel. Give them a nickel. I mean, like, it's worth it. Say a nickel. Google. Yeah. <laughs> I will give you a nickel. And they're like, okay. Until they find out the value of money, just teach them the value a of penny. So Let's do a penny. It's <laughs> so shiny. Exactly. You get a new one. No, it that's, that's fantastic. You mentioned the hard uh, upbringing you had and this yeah. having to, you know, you can't follow the pattern, but you also had to resist swinging yeah. the other way. But I think you've written about your own anger struggles. Talk to us about that because I think a lot of moms come to me and there's a lot of questions here about how do we stay calm? How do we, you know, you, you said, I want them to obey right away all the way. And I, you know, I've heard different theories yeah. on that but we want them to listen and have a relationship with us. We don't want to shame and we definitely don't right. want to use anger, but if we've had that pattern, how did, what did you do to uproot that for yourself? So having my children, I knew what I didn't want to do, but I actually didn't know what I did want to do. And I think that's what you're asking me is how do you change the pattern? Like you can say, I don't want to do that, but under pressure, you'll revert to what you know. Yeah. And that's, that's sad, but true. Or you just do nothing. And so um, for me, everything changed when I had my second child. I had also prayed a, I'm so thankful I prayed the prayer now, but I had no idea that the prayer I prayed was going to send me into a catalyst. I remember, and again, you know, I'm, I'm 62 this year. We're going old school back here. There was a worship song, take me into the holy of holies, take me in by the blood of the lamb, take me into the, take the coal, cleanse my lips. Here I am. I'm like, there's probably two things wrong with me. There's probably like just these little things. And so in, in a moment of spiritual arrogance, I was a youth pastor's wife. I was like, Holy Spirit, excavate my life. Excavate? What were they thinking? That was, was a horrible word choice. Afterwards, I was like, no, no, I meant to say landscape. I meant to say, I meant to say exaccerize. Because <laughs> Grow now, things. All little, <laughs> yeah, now all of this anger that was just maybe you know, just like the day before my period, I might just call my husband a jerk or I might throw something, but you know, it, it, it wasn't something I did in public. It was something I saved for my loved ones at home. It wasn't, you know, just like, it wasn't going to cost me anything. But after I prayed that prayer, I watched this. It was almost like a birth contraction that started getting closer and closer together. And I was scared what was going to, what was going to happen. And I had my second child, my husband and I, he was a youth pastor. We had one car. Um, and so he would leave and I would be like, pray for me, pray for me in the safety of your children. He's like, you're okay. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. He's like, honey, you said God told you to stay home. I'm like, I was pregnant. Pregnant women promise all sorts of things. Like, don't mean, I don't mean it. He's like, honey, no, I know that God wants you to raise your kids. So anyway, you know, and I was in a position, our overhead was low enough that even though we were poor, I could do it. So anyway, I remember we did not have portable phones. I know you guys don't remember those days, but my son would hear the phone ring when I put him down for a nap. I had the baby down. I wanted to just take a shower. I wanted to brush my teeth. I don't, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't big one. And I wanted to escape the failure that I heard every day was what, what did you do all day? And I was like, I 
don't know. <laughs> I was busy. Survived. And, I did um, it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. The children are alive. I'm alive. And I just snapped. And, and Heather, my son came down the stairs, which he had done every nap time. And I came running up to meet him, grabbed him, ran up the stairs with him. And I like my, in my head was this storm. Yeah. And I think I've talked to a lot of young moms that just like, ah, there's like that. And I thought, what do I do so he doesn't get off the bed? And I heard, lift him up eye level over his bed, slam him into the wall and put him down. And I thought, okay, that would probably work. I mean, like crazy woman. So I lift my son up eye level and I saw something I'd never seen before, Heather. My son was not afraid of what I was going to do because he had no idea what I was going to do. He was afraid of me. And when I saw the fear in my son's eyes, I remembered my own growing up with a physically and emotionally abusive mom. And every time I was hit, every time I was slapped, every time I was slammed in the wall, every time I was kicked, I made myself a promise. I will never treat my children this way. And here I was, a born again pastor's wife, getting ready to hurt my two-year-old son. And I just broke. I put him down. I didn't slam him. Put him down. I was just started crying. And I said, I'm so sorry I scared you. I went downstairs. I hit the carpet. And I said, it's, it's, not, it's not my mom. She's not here. It's not my dad. It's not my husband. It's not the Sicilian. It's not the Apache Indian. It's not the witches in Orlando praying against our youth ministry. This is me. I have a real problem with anger. And I don't know how to get free. And Heather, I wept until I was empty. You know, you know, like when you'll just cry and there's just like a stillness and you're just empty. And in that moment, I heard the Holy Spirit say, because you're no longer justifying this, mm. I'll take it out of your life. So what you justify, you buy. You say, I've earned the right to be this way because of what's been done to me. And he said, Lisa, you can't live your life based off what was done to you. You've got to live your life based off of what I did for you. And so I called my mom, forgave her, which was actually, to be honest with you, had a really scary. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, I was a grown married woman, but I kind of felt like if I forgive her, she can hurt me again. Mm. So I forgave her. Yeah. Called one of my, well, I called one of my friends first and, and was crying and I told her, I almost slapped my kid against the wall. She's like, but you didn't, but you didn't. She's like, I feel that way every day. I'm like, no, no, no. Like I knew this was dangerous. Yeah. And, and so um, I thought, well, she's, she's giving me sympathy. I don't want sympathy. I need confession yeah. and I need accountability. So I confessed it to my mom that I had never forgiven her. And, and there was a healing that happened for my mom too, because she had so much shame and guilt. And then I, when my husband came home, I told him what almost happened. And then I started the process because that was the beginning. Yeah. Well, I would lay in bed and say, Holy Spirit, put a watch over my mouth. I would say, quote the book of James, Father, I'm going to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to wrath. And I just would pause. And then another thing is, and I don't, I don't know if any of those other mamas ever fought with this, but I had a lot of mom guilt. Yeah. Where I went to bed every single night with a list of everything I didn't do right, didn't do enough of, didn't get finished. And so I would lay in bed saying, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do that and you didn't do that. And your husband's disappointed with the way the house is and you haven't taken a shower in three days. And I mean, like all of these, I had this whole list. And so I would wake up 
completely weighed down with guilt. Yeah. And I had to find a way to not do the list, to burn the list, to say, you know what? I did as good as I could do. And now tomorrow I'm going to do better. But I had to, I had to make some decisions for me. I had to stop tri folding the underwear. I had to stop bleaching the grout with a toothbrush. That's stupid. When you got four kids, it's just like, why, why? I had, to, I, I had to start enjoying my husband. I had like, even if it was just put all of the kids in front of Winnie the Pooh and take a walk around the block, you know, they can find you. You know, nobody's I mean, take a walk, get outside of the house, get your kids to bed at a certain time so that you have time with your husband and just being consistent. And, you know, and, and here's the beautiful thing. That was a turning point for everything for me. Like, I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to study some scriptures and I'm going to find this incredible revelation about what Obadiah says about this and what that means for God's daughters today. And, and, and yet it isn't that. It's, it's when you and I have an encounter with the word of God and we submit ourselves to God's word. And then that word comes into our life and it begins to be that two-edged sword and it rightly divides between joint and marrow, thought and intent, and where the word of God begins to read every portion of our list of excuse or the word of God saying, you know, I don't condemn you. Hey, guess what? My mercy is new every morning. Mamas need new mercy every morning. Throw away that stupid list. And for me, that was the turning point for everything. And I used to, and I hate to say I used to preach stupid things. I have people get mad at me. For saying that. <laughs> I'll just say, I did not preach things that people could put into practice mm. until that actually happened. And I didn't, yeah. again, and I didn't, it wasn't like, oh, last week I almost saw my kid in the wall. I waited like three years before yeah. I ever talked about it. I wanted it worked out into my life and I wanted to make sure I'd forgive my mom. I want to make sure she was okay with certain things. Yeah. And, and then that's what happened. Okay, Lisa has been trying to remind you moms, and I have too, that you are limited human beings and try folding the underwear is maybe not where we need to put our energy. We often overdo for our kids and underdo for ourselves. And I want to help you out one small way you can take care of yourself. I've been doing it and I've really, it makes me feel special, okay? It's the Athena Club Razor Kit. It is awesome. I have totally stopped the habit of stealing Bruce's razor. It comes with built-in skin guards. It helps prevent razor burn. It's gentle on your curves. I have not cut my leg in a long time. It also, in the razor blade, it has a water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic, I don't know how you say it, hyaluronic acid, which is the holy grail for skincare. We are all talking about that. The best part, this razor kit is only $9 and comes with two blade heads, a magnetic hook for your shower storage, super cute. And my favorite part is you get to choose your handle color. There are six color options. I chose the rose gold with the pink because it's my signature right now. You don't have to worry about running out of blades and having that dull. Ladies, just don't do it. Let's not use dull blades anymore. You deserve better. These get shipped to you, free shipping, ready to use razors right on time. And please, 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 try their cloud shave foam. It is, I'm not joking. It is really, truly dreamy. I feel so like extra and special when I use it. 
Show your skin you care with the Athena Club Razor Kit. Sign up today. You get 20% off your first order. Just go to athenaclub.com. Use the promo code DMA. That's Athena Club, A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code DMA for 20% off. I really feel like we're getting all up in my personal business, but honestly, the other thing I'm using in my shower that makes me feel really special is prose. I'm not joking. And this sounds silly, but I am a real big fan now of the pump tops. Prose is custom hair care that's effective and personal. So they give you this in-depth consultation. It starts with things like, what's your zip code? How do you eat? How often do you exercise? What is your hair currently like? It's analyzing all of this to give you a hair product. It's not just based on what kind of goals you want. I mean, it includes that if you want volume or you want smoothing, but it really is looking at the environment you live in and your lifestyle to give you the best option for your hair. Not only that, it's a carbon neutral certified B corporation and a leader in clean and responsible beauty They're sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, cruelty-free. And if you are not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've had, they'll take the the products back with no questions asked. So moms, Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name. It literally puts your name on it, all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation. Get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash DMA. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash DMA for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. What I love about your story, as hard as it is, is it's in those hard moments that we have those moments of growth and change. And so to not even feel guilt for those moments. You know, you said don't feel guilt for the list of all the things I think I did wrong. But that moment with your son, even the the intent of what you thought you were going to do was transformative to your relationship with your mom and your future. And so letting, allowing God in, the enemy could have trapped you in guilt. And so you confessing and going to God and to your friends and to your, your mom allows for growth and movement. And I think sometimes we get so trapped in those moments of anger that and we hide in shame and we don't allow God to work through us or relationships, connections with others and healing to actually happen. So I love that you shared that because it motivates a mom to kind of dig into what's the cause, not to just keep excusing it away, but to get to go a little deeper. Yeah. I mean, mean, there's all anger secondary. It's I tell people, I'm like, it's a secondary emotion. It could be depression. It could be Undealt with pain. Fear. For me, it was fear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, it was fear and the root of unbelief. God is good for everyone, but for me. Mm. Like Heather, if you had come to me, I would say, "Oh, I'll pray with you. I'll believe God's gonna do this for you, heal your marriage." Me, he wasn't so sure about me. And Mm. you know, one thing I love to say to moms is, your flaws, if you are humble with them and surrendered, they they can actually turn your children towards the flawless one. You know, it doesn't mean that we want to mess up or we want to just have a bunch of flaws and then say, I'm converting my children as a flaws one. I'm just saying, if you can come to this place of humility and confession and surrender, and they see that you submit to God's word and you submit to redeeming those mistakes and, and being honest and owning things. And, you know, and again, for me, 
I, and it sounds trite, but the way that Holy Spirit told me is as long as you own your mistakes, they won't own you. Mm. And when something owns you, you live under the weight of it, the shame of it, the constant, gosh, I, you know, so as long as, you know, it says when you confess, not apologize, apologies are actually under apologetics. It means kind of a defense of something like, I'm really sorry. I yelled, but mom's really Mm. tired. So what does that say? Oh, every time mom's tired, she can yell at me. But confession is just owning it. I'm so sorry. I yelled. Not, I'm so sorry I yelled, but your dad stressed me out. Not, I'm so sorry I yelled, but you didn't do your homework. Just sorry. And our kids will follow what we model. Yeah, that's really good. And it goes into another set of questions we got about kind of guiding our kids' faith, even possibly kids who confess faith at a young age, but turn away from God as teens or as young adults and they're rejecting traditional values. I, I know that. I'm pretty sure your boys are all walking with the Lord, but I don't know if you've experienced seasons of prodigal boys or if you're allowed to talk about that, but yeah, we are, we're, we're allowed to talk about it. I had one son that we said he had two years of the mean stage. I think it was 15 to 17. We're like, who, who abducts our child? Like, who is this? this?" He went to a Christian school, but there was just all of this angst and I'm going to tell you what he encountered at the Christian school that I think is, is a big challenge for this generation is hypocrisy. Yeah. So yep. that and some, and thing. some kids can handle it better than other kids. Some kids that are like justice, right, mm-hmm. wrong. That is really hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, ju- he's a justice. And so he did, he did struggle with some stuff. And, you know, I remember thinking he's just, he's just mean right now. He doesn't, you know, and he was questioning everything. And, and I did love that his school, they didn't just say, okay, this is Christianity and this is what we believe. They actually talked about the tenets of other faiths. So, um, you know, he would like, well, maybe Islam's right. And maybe this is right. Maybe that's right. And how do you dad know this? And, you know, you guys are white Republicans. I'm like, Man. like, I mean, just, you know, kind of trying to label, trying to break free, try to be his own person. So we just continually had conversations, but I also tried to navigate what actually got in his mind. So for our house, we did not allow our kids to listen to music that dishonored God, dishonored parents, dishonored women, dishonored men, dishonored authority. We like we just said, you can listen to secular music as long as it falls in those parameters, which Ireland, but, but <laughs> it's hard you know, to find. You yeah. Can, you can listen to love stories and, love, you know, things that celebrate men and women, you know, and marriage and commitment. And, but we just stayed with them. And you know what is the wildest thing, Heather? Is we forced them to go to camp and we forced them to go to a youth service that my husband was actually speaking at. And where Addison completely and utterly surrendered his life was in a service that my husband was doing. And he was never the same. He was never the same. Uh, my other son kind of went a little rogue for a while and he just was kind of sneaking around and, you know, we just prayed and we would always, I could see a shadow on my kids when they would go through things and we would just pray whatever is hidden be found. And, and it always, always did. But the other thing is John and I were very organic with our relationship with our kids. We did not do Bible studies. Now, part of that is just us, but we were devoted. So we were like, we're always devoted. And 
I also, because your kids start to think you're stupid, I also brought in other voices. So like maybe my kids wouldn't, you know, want to hear my opinion about this, or maybe I didn't even have enough education or background on something. We would bring in other people and listen to things at the dinner table and foster conversations around it. And um, like, so if maybe there's a conversation where I feel like Rick Warren handled that way better than I could ever say it, I'm going to put this in front of the boys and ask them what they think. My children said, what we loved about you and dad is you had rules, but you never gave us rules without the why. And I think that can be exhausting for mom. You just like, I just want you to do it. Just please just, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> but if you can explain the why as an overarching thing, like when you disobey, when you are disrespectful, I'm not disciplining you because of me. I'm disciplining you because something shifts in your heart. Something, something goes hard that you want to guard and keep tender. You, and, you know, when you listen to music, you think it's not going to affect you. When you hear about, you know, I can't keep my hands to myself. But then all of a sudden you'll be in the backseat of a car and that song is going to go through your head. You don't want that going on. So you've got to guard what comes in and you've got to guard what comes out. Well, now it's parenting teens with devices that, you know, with TikTok and oh. Instagram that all kinds of ideas come in that it's, I think the guarding of the heart, but I love that. I heard you say multiple times, conversations, Con conversations, Exhausting. having open where they want to have a conversation, you know, with the time around the dinner table. And that to me, without judging where they are or pushing them away because you're so disappointed at how they're living their life. I heard prayer. I heard continuing to engage and bringing in outsiders. And I think, and it's mostly encouraging because I heard you say they went through it. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, also, there's a coming back around that I'm thankful to hear. You know, Heather, our family went through a incredibly horrific fall of a minister. We were going to New Life Church. Our pastor was Ted Haggard. He was the president of the National Evangelical, I think that's what it's called. <laughs> I, get, I get confused on the name. Anyway, I mean, he was amazing, family-oriented, relational. All of a sudden, it comes out that he's hired a male prostitute and bought drugs. And I still remember I was on a plane flying to Canada when I found out that it was true. And John gathered our sons. He, he took the youngest sons, you know, too, and then the oldest sons. And he said he knew our boys were going to make it because when he told Addison and Austin what had happened, they looked at him and Addison said, well, this is absolutely horrible. I never would have saw this coming. But you know what, dad? Ted didn't die for my sins. And, and, and we were like, oh, I mean, he'd had this revelation that his vibrant relationship with, with Jesus Christ. Yes, it's horrible that a pastor or a leader uh, doesn't remember that people are looking at them, following them. But my boys, for whatever reason, because of all the conversations, had a stronger connection with the word of God and with Jesus Christ than they did with a leader. And, and I think right now, as, as much as I hate all the sifting and shaking that's happening right now, I think as parents, we can use those moments and talk about, let's look at Proverbs 4. 
What does Proverbs 4 say? It says that you even step on that pathway. It's a pathway of destruction. The perversity of language leads to perversity of ways, which leads to an end that is wicked. You know, so like we, you know, having conversations, like where did this start? And, and what does this teach us about our own life? Um, and, and just letting people know that Jesus is our pattern. Yeah. And, and he's the only one. And, and again, looking at the whole dynamic that he not only began, but he finished the race we're in. And so often we don't study how Jesus did it. We look at how everybody else isn't doing it. And, and all I know is Jesus is the only one that's never going to disappoint. That's yeah. it. So good. Okay. Before we have to go, can you give us some insights into siblings? How did you guys help keep the peace or foster good relationships with your boys? Are they do they have good relationships? I'm yeah, they do. made an assumption, they do. but okay. They all, they all live. This is hilarious. Three of my boys all lived on the same street. Um, like they bought houses, three of them on the same street. Isn't that like a mom's dream kind of like it that? Is. Seems, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and even now, um, they weren't on the street with us. They were on the street with each other. Yeah. No, so that's like amazing. Boys, like yeah, I would yeah. be and, thrilled and, if they're like wanting oh, to be together. That's fantastic. Absolutely. And, and that the wives want to be together. Like, that's my prayer is that the wives all like each other. My sweet uh, daughter-in-law, of the one that's married to my youngest son, she sent me a text this morning and she said, can I do a reel of you and I talking about how we love each other as a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law? I'm like, yes. Oh yes, my gosh. You're giving yes. me hope, Lisa. You're giving me hope. <laughs> yes. You were real. And she said, do you want to watch it? I'm like, I don't even care. Hopefully I don't look stupid. But yes, I have loved my daughter-in-law and I have never tried to compete for my son's affection or attention. It actually, if anything, what I did, Heather, and this is just kind of my secret plan was as soon as the girls came in, I paid more attention to the daughter-in-laws than to my son. Um, so I was like, you're now my one. You're like, I'm female. Yay. I'll stop tweezing my chin. I have some estrogen. Thank you. Thank you for coming into my world. But having them as relationships, I found that with four boys, they kind of paired off. So the oldest son was the protector of the fourth born. And the second born was the protector of the third born. And there was kind of these like <laughs> brother wars. And um, there was a lot of family meetings. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> we would just be like, this is the way it is. God put you guys in this family. You protect your brothers. We work it out. This family fights for fierce unity. That's what, you know, like we always say, our, our, our motivation is fierce unity. Nobody gets to be in bitterness or anger with their brother. We don't go to bed. We re resolve it. And again, I think watching John and I resolve things with each other and with them, it, it kind of just created that. And, and I've seen my boys yell at each other. I've had to separate them physically because it's like having gorillas fighting, like act like I'm going out on the porch and then lock one outside and then the other ones. I mean, like until you calm down, nobody's get, getting into, you know, contact. I had one of my sons elbow one of my other sons and possibly break his nose. We didn't take him to the doctor. But just like we've had all of that wrestling that all of a sudden was happy, then it goes bad. Like something goes to rough. And, but having a relationship and being committed to family is just so important. And I don't know if parents understand it's not super difficult. They say the number one thing you can do to build relationships in your family and build connections with your children is to eat dinner as a family. You don't have to do the read through the Bible in a year. That'd be amazing if you did. 
You could do that over dinner, but there's something. And, and we even see this modeled in the, the early church from house to house. They ate together and they discussed what they were learning. And we also do that with, you know, after church, like we, you know, like it's kind of easy. Sometimes children's church is a little bit of a challenge. You know, you're just driving home and your kids are like, this is what I colored. You're like, that's amazing. And that's, it. that's it. That's all you got. But other times I had my older boys sit with me in service and we would talk like, what, what really spoke to you today? Or maybe there was something I didn't agree with. Cause guess what? Sometimes people don't say everything right. So we, we went to a church back then that was pretty, the young people were really during worship. They might be before the, uh, between the front row and the platform and dancing and stuff like that. My kids were always kind of like, we're too cool. We're going to stay here with, with parents. Okay. So we were, my kids were with, you know, with me, hands in the pocket, looking disgusted, looking around to see who was looking at them because they're teenagers and everybody obviously just came to church to see what they were wearing or how their hair looked. And so they're kind of looking around and, and I noticed this beautiful, young, mentally handicapped man. And I would say he was probably like 13 and he was just crying before the Lord and he was just Jesus. And I see this young man, and then I see my son's hands in the pocket, disgusted, bored, and I, I wasn't happy. And so we're driving home, and I just said, did you guys see the young man that had come in with special needs? Did you see him in front of us during worship? Did you see his hands up? See him crying? You're like, yeah. I'm like, who has more to be thankful right now? You guys or him? But you didn't even open your mouth. I'm not asking you to dance. I'm not asking you to put your hands up. But I am asking you to be thankful for what you have. And I have one of my sons said, can we go back to church tonight? <laughs> <laughs> and they did. They did. They went to a Sunday and I was like, crap, half an hour drive just an hour round trip for me. <laughs> but yeah, listen, if you make a point, you have to follow up. So yeah. my boys still remember that being the turning point for them to participate during worship. Okay, so in these physical wrestling matches and in these team meetings <laughs> with the siblings, and you've got the two brothers going against the brothers. Yes. Would you, did you train them in reconciliation? Like, would you walk them through or did you expect them to figure it out? Or we like, as they're fighting, it. I heard you say you have yeah. them calm down, but then yeah. how do you yeah. coach them through like those conflicts? So, I mean, literally, with you know, like I'd be like, okay, what's going on? What happened here? Well, he they always like, oh, nope, we don't do always. What you know, like we calmly, without attacking the other person, what is the problem? You know, and and having those conversations, teaching them to believe the best of the brother, and you know, John would navigate him. I loved it when John was home because he just do such a great job, and then he'd bring in the scripture. And all the boys would be like, oh my gosh, you don't want to go to hell. Hey, he wouldn't tell me one hell, but I mean, it's so strong. But I would just be like, you guys love each other and you guys are learning how to get along with one another. And this is going to play out well for you later with your wife because you are learning conflict management, close proximity resolution, which I didn't have. I, you know, I, I'm seven years older than my brother. And we just, my parents divorced and it just like, didn't have that 
my boys have had to learn to fight fair and fight for. We are fighting for resolution, not fighting to be right, but fighting to be rightly related. And, you know, just, we just, yeah, we definitely help them navigate it because, you know, we just want to, they have so much testosterone coursing through their veins and it's just, everything just feels like I just want to punch everybody in the world. And I just say, you know what you need to do? And you need to go outside and just run and then come back in and we're going to have a family meeting. move your big muscles move your big muscles yeah no and then you have the like different personalities that of course cause annoyance you know the one who's talking all the time and the one who's easily (laughs) sensitive to noise that are in conflict I had two boys that were pretty verbal with their grievances their opinions and then I had two that you know Heather 100% honestly it would have been easy to ignore them because they caused less problems and one of my most touching moments with my second son, who was more of a quiet one, our whole family was playing games or something, except for he wasn't, he was upstairs doing something. And I, I think he was gone for two hours before I realized he was not in the mix. And I was kind of like, where's, where's Austin? And I went upstairs and I found him on his bed. He was just laying there. And he said, I knew you'd come and find me. I've been waiting for you. I, just went, oh. I thought, how many nights did I not do that? <laughs> and I just had to learn that he needs one-on-one. He, he needed it. And so he was my son that I had started something when they were little to calm them down. I was real into routines because we traveled so much. The routine was the security. So I would rub their eyebrows. And so we did this thing called eyebrows where I would just like rub their eyebrows and I'd rub their eyes like trace their features and it was kind of a winding down thing and rub their back. I did that with him through high school, college. I, I learned that it was important that I was present. And sometimes my boys, uh, they might just come down and hug me. And I'd say, do you want me to come up? They'd be like, no, hug me now. Pray for me. My 30 year old son, He's sold his place and he's been living with John and I for the last couple of months. He'll move out the end of the month because his new place will be ready. He comes down every night, hugs me, hugs John and says, pray for me every single night. It's beautiful. Yeah. And yet your joy is not wrapped up in it. You're free to have that relationship. Like we said at the beginning, he's not the idol, but you have the gift and it's like icing on top, which is fantastic. Well, Lisa, I mean, I could listen to your advice all day. It's so fantastic. I'm going to point everyone to where you are online. And thanks for being with us today. Please come back. Absolutely. And Heather, can I just say thank you? Thank you for having a heart for moms not to feel like they're isolated and alone. Thank you for giving me the ability to even speak to these women that have looked to you, learned to trust you, learned that you're going to you're going to point them towards truth without ever shaming them. And I, I love that you're a boy mom. And I love that our pals cross because we have that in common. It's fantastic. And if y'all need more advice on a godmother, Lisa has a book. It's been out for over a year now, right? Almost yeah, a year. I think it, yeah, no, it, it's, it's almost two years. Two years is um, August. Yeah. Time warp of the COVID. I don't even know what day it is. It's fine. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I hope we get to talk soon. I'd love that. 
All right, y'all. Check out Lisa's book that we linked in the show notes. It's like two years old, but it's on Godmothers if you are needing some tips on how to find a mentor or maybe you want to be one. Also, I want to pray for us. I want to pray if something came up in you related to either anger or your past or maybe something else that you are wanting to let go of guilt and surrender um, to God. So I'm going to lift us up. Lord, I thank you for moms who've gone before us, who can offer insight and wisdom on what to hold loosely and the refining process that motherhood allows. I pray that whatever burden is rising up in a mom's heart right now or dad as as they listen, that they would bring that to you, that shame would have no place, that if there has been something done in anger, that that guilt would be relieved through confession and just bringing it to you, God. I know that you offer us unlimited forgiveness, you abundant, abundant forgiveness. You want us to walk in freedom. I pray for past woundings from parents that you would have access to those as well, that you could heal. And I pray, Lord, for our families right now that are just overwhelmed with all the things, financially, emotionally, mentally, that you would be um, their everything in this moment, that they would experience your grace and your truth and your love right where they are. I pray, Lord, for um, new mercies in this moment right now, Lord, that this mom and dad listening would feel your mercy pouring out over them. They could start afresh, that nothing that has happened up to this point can't be redeemed and restored by you. I thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks y'all for joining me. As some of you know that get my emails, I have been in the uh, process of getting out my next manuscript. It's due April 1st. And so pretty much any free moment has been spent writing. I've had to put up some hard boundaries, which is not easy for me to do. FOMO, anyone? Um, But I'm grateful that because of our amazing team, we're able to continue to have these episodes go out. And I'm super thankful to y'all. When you share an episode on Instagram or to a friend uh, at the park or wherever you see your friends, it really does help this ministry continue. Um, And so thank you. Thank you for supporting us, especially in this season where – I'm just having to keep my head down and keep keep working. So we appreciate anytime you share um, with a friend something that has been encouraging to you. And I will get to meet you back here next week. It's my 45th birthday, y'all. 45. I feel like that number equals <laughs> a person that I don't feel like. I don't feel like a 45-year-old. Hey, hey, hey. All right. See y'all here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, 
while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.